Hey everybody, before we start the episode, I want to give a shout out to some of our patrons on Patreon helping to support this network and helping us to grow our brand. I want to thank you, Thomas Nostar, you, Kevin Mullen, C. Ryan Wagner, and Karjan McGill. I apologize if I pronounced that incorrectly. Thanks guys, and I hope you enjoy the show. As the son of a son of a sailor, I went out on the sea for adventure. Expanding the view of the captain and crew like a man just released from indenture. Hello everyone and welcome to the other side. We return once again. Prepare your anuses. I'm Cody Byer. I'm Max Vader. I'm Andrew Erickson. And today we're going to talk about yet another train wreck. It's just train wrecks. This is a theme we've got going on here lately. But this train wreck, it's not from a bunch of nobody podcasters. No, this train wreck is from a, a big name. A big name who had a train wreck previously. It's a very bad track record this big name has lately. It's Funimation again. Funimation, what are you doing? What are you doing with yourselves over there? What is... See, you hear me talk bad now? Because Funimation make brain go... With what they're doing, I remember this company was the best. They were the bomb, and I loved them, and I supported them, and I bought their fucking DVDs, and I was like, Funimation owns my soul. And and then they're like, you know what would be great? Hey, hey guys, you know what would be great? Let's just be faggots! Yeah! Faggots! And they decided to be faggots. Um, if you, you need to look no further than a couple episodes ago, the episode we called uh, Et Too Funny talked about the uh, Gamergate creep show debacle. And the fantastic uh, response to that. Oh, you're just saying that because you hate women. <laughs> Shut up, Jamie Marshy. You talentless hack. Um, no, let's talk about the next in their long line of fuck-ups. Um, now, you'd think by now Funimation would have licensed a little uh, title by the name of, you may, may have heard of it, uh, Dragon Ball Super. Considering Dragon Ball is their bread and butter, when the movies came out, they were on that, like, Day one, um, they jumped on that shit. But for some reason, brand new Dragon Ball series, nothing from Funimation. Not even a simulcast. The only way you could watch Dragon Ball Super is through fan subs. And God bless those fan subs. Um, Head on over to Dragon Ball time if you want to watch that shit. But there's nothing official. But but, no, it's okay, guys. I mean, they could have been licensing... Dragon Ball Super, which has been fantastic. I could go on for hours about how good Dragon Ball Super is. I want to put my dick in it. But no, guys, they have something more important to worry about licensing. I mean, I know they're still holding the licenses for shows like Outlaw Star, and they they could be releasing new DVD sets or Blu-ray sets of Outlaw Star, but they got something much more important to worry about. They had to license Momotaro, what was it, Heavenly Sailors? Divine Sacred Sea Warriors, Sailors. Sacred Sailors, yeah, the, which is Sailor but, Moon. But guys, it's really historically important. You see, it's the first full-length anime movie ever, and we all know that the first animes were great, right, Astro Boy? Right. I, I don't know what you're talking about. That that transformation porn that he drew was like visionary. <laughs> Like, he fucking imagined the furry community before it even existed. Well, that's what I call foresight. <laughs> no, but uh, this wasn't uh, 
Osamu Tetsuka. This was like his, the guy that inspired him. Fell by the name of Mitsuyo Seo's film. And it's, and it's, it's compelling. In fact, Gen Fukunaga, the head of Funimation, what did he, what did he have to say about this film? He said, Mitsuyo Seo was a key. Oh wait, am I reading the right? Okay, Mitsuyo Seo was a key figure in the development of Japan's anime industry, and we are honored to have been a part of the restoration of Momotaro's Sacred Sailors, one of his most famous works. This wonderful black and white film was created using almost 50,000 cells and offers superb animation, music, and entertainment that is on par with any classic Disney film of the same era. Wow! Wow! That sounds great. I mean, on, on par with a Disney film? Well, what's it about? What could it be about? Well, strap yourselves in, folks. There's a short synopsis on the very same article that quotes again. And I quote, On the eve of a parachute mission during the war in the Pacific, a group of Navy paratroopers, a monkey, a dog, a pheasant, and a bear, go home for a, br a brief visit before heading off with their squadron to their base in the South Pacific. Led by boy warrior Momotaro, the squadron prepares to attack the enemy on Devil's Island. On the eve before the attack, we learn why Momotaro and his squadron are called Sacred Sailors. A story is told of a ship of, with white men arriving at a beautiful island. The captain tricks the king into thinking they are merchants, and he welcomes them on the island. Quickly thereafter, the crew reveal themselves as pirates and then plunder the island. All that remained was a legend that Sacred Sailors will come from the east who will free the people. Momotaro and his compatriots are these sacred sailors. The attack on Devil's Island finally begins. The paratroopers quickly overpower the horned white devils, who then surrender to Momotaro unconditionally. Peace returns to the South Pacific. Yes, folks, it's Imperial Japan World War II propaganda. And Funimation is... Ex they are just excited to bring this to you. They, just, they were just promoting the shit out of this. Just... just they couldn't gush enough about this wonderful film. This wonderful <laughs> propaganda film for one of the most heinous regimes in history. Yeah, I saw the tweets and they uh, seem pretty proud of themselves. Ugh. I wonder if they're going to license some Studio Ghibli films afterwards to round out their collection. <laughs> You know, and then Disney is proud to, to present... No, I'm not Disney. Warner Brothers is proud to present this, this great and wonderful film. It's called Bugs Bunny Nips the Nips. It's just wonderful, wonderful entertainment that I think the whole family can enjoy. Funimation, how stupid are you? Did you just pick this fucking movie up because it was the first anime movie? It's like, yay, we got history! Yay, you got imperial <laughs> Japanese propaganda! I mean... I'm fine with preserving history, but they're crowing about this. It's like if you remastered Birth of a Nation, you're talking about, oh, it's this amazing movie. It was a technical masterpiece at the time. It was screened in the White House by Woodrow Wilson. And then you give the synopsis about the plot of the heroic clan defeating the uh, evil, bestial black people, and you don't uh, you don't get into politics beyond that. Yeah, I don't see the problem with that one. That sounds pretty accurate to me. <laughs> Careful, like Max. A lot so of people can't comprehend jokes. Oh, but, oh my, jeez. And, and keep in mind, this isn't just a regular propaganda movie. Like, they would probably have a better leg to stand on if this was an American propaganda movie, like Bugs Bunny Nips the Nips. As racist as the caricatures were, like, you know, looking back on it, it's like, oh, God, that's, you know, kind of makes Accurate. you shut 
<laughs> Makes you shuffle in your seat. <laughs> um, again, Max, remember, some people are dumb. They don't understand jokes. They're going to think you're serious. Um, oh, they think that anyway. <laughs> but it's like when we were doing anti-them propaganda, they're, the worst that America did can't hold a candle to the least egregious thing that anyone we were caricaturing at the time did. It's funny that Funimation is spooting so much about this movie, considering that from the perspective of the of the people who wanted this movie to be made, like they would be part of the horrendous white devils <laughs> who are just stealing their culture and destroying their lands. And it's cultural appropriation, you might say. How are they this dense, though? Like, you are you licensed propaganda. This movie came out four years after the rape of Nan King. Yeah, but Cody, you don't understand. Like, America sucks and is horrible. It and, has gamer and, and, and no, uh, hate it. When, when did this come out again? I thought it was uh, 44 or 45. No, it was, um, what was it? When the hell was it? Let me look at the thing again. Uh, 1944. 1945. That was when it was screened. It was shot in 1944. Yeah. So, end of the war. So, not only is it propaganda for a horrible regime, but it's a regime that was about to be dismantled. Yeah, I think, I think it, the, the, the uh, Imperial Japan was defeated like months after the movie came out. Yeah, mm-hmm. April, April, and they surrendered in September. Fairly ironic. Man, they should have incorporated this engraver of the Fireflies. They should have just had Douchebag and his sister that nobody cares about just go in a movie theater and watch that movie. <laughs> well, oh, it would have even, continued the theme. Even that would have been more entertaining than that fucking piece of shit. It would have uh, continued the theme of Grave of the Fireflies. Did we mention this movie has a prequel? Oh, yeah. Why don't you, why don't you guys tell them what the prequel's about? Uh, yeah. Prequel to this wonderful movie that Funimation is excited to present. Well, the prequel was made in 1942 instead, and then eventually released in March 1943. That one only runs 37 minutes, so that's why some, so that's why it's not considered to be like the first anime movie per se, because it's close to being feature length, but not quite. Uh, anyway, so that one also features Momotaro. It's literally translated as called Momotaro Sea Eagles. And this was also a film aimed at children, of course, hence why it was animated. Uh, the story that's being told, as Wikipedia so wonderfully sums up, it's telling the story of a naval unit consisting of the human Momotaro and several animal species representing the Far Eastern races fighting together for a common goal. And one of the main highlights of the movie is a dramatization of the attack on Pearl Harbor. This force attacks the demons at the island of Onigashima, representing the Americans and British demonized in Japanese propaganda. The film also utilizes actual footage of the Pearl Harbor attack. And the film that Funimation licensed is the sequel to this movie. Fucking oops! Now, and here's the thing, and I think we should clarify this. I'm not against them licensing it. 
like for archival purposes or you know it's it's a historical movie but you don't treat it like it's another fucking like you don't treat it like you just licensed Akira you 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 have to have some kind of somber respect for the fact that this is yes it's the first feature length anime movie it's also propaganda for a regime so fucked up even the Nazi said whoa guys slow it down well admittedly though like if I license Akira I would feel just as somber as if I licensed this movie <laughs> there's nothing wrong with Akira it's a dumb action movie it's great if you're 13 that's what Akira's for you show it to 13 year olds. Yeah, I know. I'm I'm just saying like it's nowhere near as good as everyone always says. Yeah, but it's for 13-year-olds. <laughs> That's pretty much what it is. If you're 13, 14, 15, you're in that age range, you watch that to get into anime. That's what the movie's for. There, you have no business watching Akira as an adult. Also, I hate the animation, but that's... Really? Because <laughs> the animation's pretty good. No, I'm, I'm saying like the style. I oh, the art style, yeah. It's ugly. Uh, I can see it. It's like shit. I don't see it looks shit, but it's weird. Like Everybody kind of looks like babies. Also, weird little side note, like Momotaro's Sea Eagles actually has an appearance of Bluto from the Popeye cartoons. <laughs> like, he appears there... Is he one of the white devils? Yeah, he appears as a stereotypical drunk. It mentions here there's one of the few examples of the Axis nations using American cartoon characters to portray the United States. Just as the Allied forces used Hitler, Mussolini, and Hirohito, as well as the Nazis and Japanese soldiers in their propaganda films. Okay, now I want to see a cartoon where Bluto throws down with Hitler and Mussolini. <laughs> uh, why ought to Hitler come here and guess them Jews, huh? Well, I'll show you. I, I, I just want to see fucking Bluto punch these weird deformed cartoon animals. <laughs> Seriously, these, those, these things look fucking awful. Yeah, they're really, really bizarre looking. Like, some of the facial expressions are borderline creepy, really. It, what gets me about the uh, the animation, you're right, it looks like shit, but the thing I think that looks the worst is the actual character Momotaro, because he looks like a 40-year-old man. <laughs> like, he kind of looks like Hirohito a little bit. Momotaro like, uh, did nothing wrong. This is, like, before... Uh... Now, here's the thing, and I think what a lot of people don't realize... The way anime looks now, it looks that way because they uh, got ideas from our animation. Actually, specifically, Disney cartoons. If you ever wonder where big anime eyes come from, Disney. That is exactly where they come from. Disney and our old comic strips, which were a lot of Disney stuff. Um, Donald Duck was an inspiration to... I mean, uh, yeah, uh, Akira Toriyama used to draw Donald Duck stuff. Way, way early in his career. Pretty sure it's Donald Duck. It was, an, it was a Disney character. Donald so, Duck, yeah. the most moe of characters. <laughs> so, yeah, the, the thing we... The shit we know in anime now got started from Disney. Like, if you look at Astro Boy, it's straight up imitating shit. Disney. <laughs> well, that and straight up imitating Disney style. Um, <laughs> like, if you look at... Uh, I, I will never stop shitting on Astro Boy. And you really shouldn't. Um, it's terrible. But yeah, if you look at just basically anything of uh, Osama Tezuka's work, it looks like Disney, because that's where they got it from. <laughs> God damn it, I, I, I missed the opportunity to interject. It looks like shit. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, so, this was... You post- fraud. 
So this is post-war. Well, he can't really be a hack fraud. There's nothing to hack yet. He's just kind of throwing shit out there and see what works. See the and thing gives me about people Disney swag. about people that worship Osama Tezuka, like be, just because he was the first. Just because you're the first to do something doesn't make you good. I mean, listen to the Especially first songs. If you're a furry. <laughs> listen to the first uh, songs in a lot of genres. They're pretty bad. Probably the best example. Look at the first YouTube poop. It's terrible. It's nothing. Doesn't even have any rhyme or reason to its weird edits, and then that evolved into Skooks and Fesh Pints and Steven's Universe. So yeah, just because you're the first doesn't mean you're great. Usually, usually it means you're probably su- you probably suck. Momotaro is attempting genocide. <laughs> Kawaii. <laughs> Somebody sure is a white know, devil. <laughs> there you go. That, that's, mm, yes. You're more clever than me. Um, yeah. So. Generally, when you because there's nothing to build from, so when you're the first to do something, you're just trying to kind of winging it, and then other people say, "Okay, that was a good idea, but let me try to put this on top of that, and then let me put this on top." And it's a snowball of quality for the most part. That Usually, was a lot good of idea. Let me put Pearl Harbor into it. <laughs> so, like, that's that's my philosophy on entertainment. Most of the time, um, newer stuff is an improvement on older stuff, but there is older stuff that sort of tests. Stands the test of time and is still better than the newer stuff. But when you're talking a large span of time, like I'm sure 30 or 40 years from now, they'll start making anime better than Bebop. Just yeah, give them some fucking time. Again. Yeah. We'll have to get an anime Donald Trump in there. He'll make anime great again, and then they'll make it something better than Bebop. Um, this shit is so terrible, it actually makes me crave the Michael Bay movie, Pearl Harbor. <laughs> <laughs> but the whole reason I went into that to give you give you folks that haven't seen what this looks like a little perspective that the, the way you're familiar with anime looking comes from influence of American cartoons. It's with big eyes, the small mouths, the roundness. That's all. You know, they took Disney just, and ran with it. Japan's the black major innovation was uh, Japan's major innovation was uh, instead of using this for anthropomorphized animals, it was for little girls you're supposed to want to fuck. <laughs> Apparently it works. Well, if you look at Tezuka... What if I had, what if I had Donald Duck's face, but it was on my sister? And my <laughs> sister but if, if you look, if you look at Tezuka, he did want to fuck the animal, so it's only a logical <laughs> step. As, as you can see, he was a very large innovator for Japan. In Based on his artwork, industry. I think he wanted to fuck Mrs. Brisby. Somehow he saw through time and saw Secret in him. He's like, I want to fuck that. <laughs> I'm put my dick in that. Put tits on that, I'm down. Uh, don't, you, don't you mean he wanted a fuck gadget? <laughs> Him and all of Russia. For uh, some but... reason. <laughs> hey, I already explained the science behind that. That took long <laughs> enough before, I ain't doing it again. It's because uh, of what, guys, isn't it? <laughs> It's because when you know how to draw, you know how to push people's mental buttons. And sometimes you push them too well. And then you get, and then you create furries. <laughs> no one could have known! Um, anyway. What has science done? <laughs> uh, anyway. So, again, you know anime based on Disney. So this is before that, when it's sort of 
ukiyo-ish, sort of they're copying us, but they're doing it on the down low. Like, they don't want them, they don't want the government to know they've been watching Popeye cartoons, even though they put Bluto in there. Um, and trying to be like, like their traditional artwork at the time. And I'm sorry if there's some, some Japanophobe art nut out there that's gonna take issue with this, but let's face it. Ancient Japanese art was shit. For the most part. There was some, there was some good, like the, the wave thing, but that's because there was no, uh, human being in there. I think you mean Japanophile. Didn't I say that? I thought no, you said Japanophobe. Did I? I'm a silly. I'm a big silly. I meant Japanophile. Uh, yeah, that, 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 that tsunami wave painting, that was a pretty good one, but again, there wasn't any human anatomy in there to yeah, fuck I, up. I, I don't know what you're talking about. That one picture with the squid was fucking mind blowing. <laughs> or the one with the guy unleashing a black fart cloud on a crowd of people that are just kind of floating in random places on the picture without any sense of perspective. That was fantastic. Didn't we cover See, that in the recent season overview? <laughs> uh, I was about to say that's what that fart anime should capitalize on. It should say that it's an adaptation of this ancient and very important work of Japanese art. Well, Animation probably licensed it. <laughs> and like, I can't even, I can't even. Uh... But, but only if there's any, if there's like some juice in that gas. <laughs> <laughs> you know, they already got propaganda from one side of the axis. Let's get the other guys in there. It's like I asked it on Twitter previously. Like, what the fuck are they going to license next? Like Triumph of the Will? <laughs> Funimation is very excited to bring you this important piece of history. <laughs> it is so well done. It, I, I, it just occurred to me, you have stuff like manga Shakespeare and manga Charles Dickens. You should have manga Triumph of the Will. <laughs> manga Mein Kampf. <laughs> they have that! What? There is a manga adaptation of Mein Kampf. No. Yep, because there was a uh, it was a manga series ad- adapting um, historical literature, and they happened to have a let's say episode on Mein Kampf. Yeah. It's, it's All right thing. then. I think Andrew broke. <laughs> I heard the. I think even de- they even depict the book itself in there. Just weirdly meta. There is absolutely a manga of Mein Kampf. And it looks weirdly like Full Metal Alchemist. <laughs> Not by the same artist, though, I don't Well, think. yeah, but still, sure. it kind of looks like it. <laughs> and you know what's funny, just thinking about it, completely off track, but wasn't it weird how so many of these like revolutionary filmmaking techniques were done in, in racist propaganda films? Triumph of the Will and Birth of a Nation pioneered so many filmmaking techniques <laughs> that that are used to this day by major directors and filmmakers. Like, yeah, look, but people don't people don't laud them as amazing movies. It's like, well, they were technically impressive, but also not a message you want to emulate. Exactly. But I think what we need to do is we need to keep letting racists make movies. First of all, it'll be hilarious. I mean, tell me if you let Stormfront make a movie, tell me that wouldn't be the funniest movie. Number one. Hey and number guys, two. It's Moon Man here. <laughs> and number two, apparently racists are really good filmmakers technically. So you go and let, you, you get give the racists like big budget. They give them like a couple million dollars. Go make a movie about how Jews are doing stuff. And they'll come back with some hilarious material that'll be wonderfully and beautifully shot. <laughs> 
So you can study the techniques and then enjoy their fantastic story I'm sure they're bound to have. It's like, man, you thought those Christian films were goofy? Strap in. Hitler's not dead. <laughs> oh, shit. At the end, like the Jew before he dies converts to Nazism. <laughs> he renounces his Jewness. Yes. He he plops he like takes his nose off like it's a cartoon prop. There's even a sound. He's got a normal Aryan nose under it. <laughs> so yeah, I think we just need to let racists make movies, and we can learn their techniques and then laugh at their plot lines. It's a win, freaking win. Uh, yeah. So back to this piece of shit movie. Um, so the thing I was trying, I was saying before with the appearance is that it looks like shit because it is emulating traditional Japanese art. And as I said, traditional Japanese art was crap. I mean, we have to admit as a society, as a people, as a planet, that traditional Japanese art sucked just objectively. Like you could say, oh, well, and, and yes, there's historical importance to it and it's, it's culturally significant. Absolutely correct. But in terms of like, at the time they were making this, like now you've got that shitty medieval tapestry shit, and that's crappy looking. But mm-hmm. they were also making like beautiful photorealistic portraits on the other side of the globe. So what? What, we, what was the holdup? Japan? They, these and people also giant cod pieces, <laughs> and even more historically significant. Con- contribution to the arts. Yes. Yeah, like, so, like, Japan, what the fuck was the holdup? These people fucking paint shit that, to this day, is is unparalleled. Kind of going back to the thing where sometimes the older stuff repa- remains the best. Just never the first stuff. Um, the, like, so you have these beautiful paintings, and then you, you switch on over to Japan, and it's just some weird paper doll that's always frowning with weird proportions where everything's <laughs> round and bulgy, and he's just kind of, his, his shirt's like half on, and you don't know what's going on because his face is weird, and it doesn't look human, and next thing you know, you turn the page, and it's gay porn. Admittedly, though, like, the only reason that the Middle Ages artists still look so great is because the fucking degenerates in the art community are currently on the trip off. They, oh, I'm gonna hang a few plastic bags filled with trash on a broken bicycle, and that's art. Or I'm, I'm gonna fucking spill some paint on this thing, and that symbolizes uh, apartheid. Yeah. yeah. That's why you had that prank where somebody put glasses on the floor of an art gallery, and nobody could tell the difference between it and an actual piece. <laughs> and, and, and that's why you have Dadaism, too. Like the whole uh, movement of just trolling our community. Yeah, but one I remember one of them just signing like a toilet. <laughs> <laughs> and apparently the conclusion was that that was indeed art. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but I mean people still there are still some people doing realistic paintings and then we had Bob Ross when he was alive. He was making fucking realistic landscapes like that. That was that dude ruled. Let me just let me just get this fucking paint roller or some fucking big ass brush you'd paint your house with. There, landscape. And let me play that back in slow motion because I didn't see what the fuck you just did. 
painting some happy little trees. He's fucking. He. It's. I swear to God, he had the world. He just fucking saw Waldo and then painted and then re, and then time resumes. Like, oh, there's a painting now. <laughs> I, I thought you just fucking splashed a black line in the top of the sky and then I blinked and it became a photorealistic storm cloud. Okay, Bob, you show off, fuck. Instead of Muda, he's shouting happy. <laughs> happy, 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 happy. Oh, but yeah, like but, you know, there's still people doing that, but. Like, at the time, like, what I'm saying is I am making fun of tradi- of ancient Japanese art because there were people at the same time in the same era making gorgeous work and Japan's artwork sucked. I just feel like all of Japan's artists at the time didn't know what they were doing and they had like a bucket of ink and their finger and they <laughs> were winging it. Like, okay, I'm just going to... Let me just get some black ink. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna kind of pour it down, and I'm gonna, I'm gonna fiddle with the top. And look, it's a mountain in the mist. It's a mountain. I'm gonna make another mountain in the mist. <laughs> make twenty scrolls of this mountain in the mist. And let me well, you, ma- you have let to me, consider that's how Mod Fuji became famous. Let me paint frowning man again. This time he's lurching to the left. <laughs> this time he's farting. <laughs> We have to consider, look at Japan's neighbors. They had Korea and China. And you, you go to Europe and uh, you've got, you know, dozens of... Uh, Germany alone was split up into all these different countries. So you had a lot of competition between them. Like somebody in Italy would come up with a painting technique and then the English and French and Dutch would look at it and be like, all right, I'm going to copy that and make better stuff than those stupid fucking Italians. <laughs> Well, insular Japan won't talk to anybody. They just think they're great. Japan, their art is like fucking deviant art. There's like a bad webcomic. <laughs> they don't have anyone to tell them that their work is shit. Including and they, the they, racism. Yeah, exactly. And they, they didn't have like any better examples because they're so insular. So they're not looking at other mediums. That's why you look at the, the best manga artists right now. Do they, you, do they look, any of them look like they learn to draw from other manga? Hell no! We know Hirohiko Araki didn't! We know he learned to draw by from classical paintings and had to draw the way he drew when he started because he didn't have any creative freedom at the time. Actually, looking looking at the Momotaro movie again, like considering that you have all these weirdly deformed, ugly faces, you have kind of an awful drawing style, you have the overt, incredible racism, and the white devils, and, you know, America sucks, and all that other shit. Is this the first Tumblr movie? Uh, <laughs> I, don't, I, I don't know. Thing I, I don't think Momotaro is genderqueer, and nobody seems to have fucking drunk people noses. I, I, I don't know. Have you, have you looked at Momotaro? I mean... <laughs> My favorite thing about Momotaro's art style... Is the white pe- or the white devils are supposed to be uh, grotesque and horrifying, but the animals that are supposed to look cute also look horrifying. So it kind of evens out. Especially <laughs> when the monkeys have the weird human lips. Yeah, it's like white people are Nosferatu, but on the other hand, the Japanese animals have downs. So it's retards versus vampires. <laughs> How is that not the greatest movie ever? 
Actually, actually, I think like the whole Tumblr comparison is even more apt now because I guess like the animals are all like trans species kin. <laughs> well, I mean, now that I'm looking at it, Momotaro does kind of look like uh, if you remember that sort of Tumblr incarnate picture of like uh, Steven Universe and his girlfriend, and they were both drawn to be hideous, and is like. <laughs> Transgender queer Steven talks to asexual non-binary whatever her name is about depression or something, and it was the most hideous piece of art a human being has ever drawn. <laughs> and it's like it is like Tumblr in summarized in a single image, and Momotaro kind of looks like Steven in that picture. Uh, he also kind of looks like Japanese Brianna Wu. <laughs> oh my God, he does. Oh, nice. oh dear. <laughs> Those evil white devils have triggered him beyond the realms of Nanking. <laughs> oh dear. It's it's also fitting because the lazy fucker doesn't seem to do any work based on the screenshots. It turns out Revolution 60 was an allegory for Nanking the whole time. <laughs> well, that explains why they all look so fucking raped. <laughs> It's Nanking, as reenacted by uh, Bratz dolls. Main <laughs> <laughs> oh, animator Chris Chan. It doesn't look far off. <laughs> Looks like if Chris Chan could keep his shit from slanting, he'd probably draw this. Ha! Slanted. Ha! Didn't even realize. It's beautiful. You racist, you can't call Asian animation slanted. <laughs> Just their eyes. Oh, you know, as far as the reputation of Japan goes, this movie is just another chink in the armor. These jokes keep up. I'm going to start getting yellow fever. The joke is Asians. <laughs> hey, Cody, is it true that they run their film real sideways? <laughs> 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 Fucking cocks. I, I, I don't know, but I but I did hear like after uh, after the the director of this movie was was finally you know able to make the stuff that he wanted to rather than this he was very gentle and apologetic. <laughs> That's been joke, folks. <laughs> you know, uh, I think we should uh, talk about the director, and I as want as as we do, I want everybody to <coughs> keep in mind uh, how just. How much Funimation has been uh, singing this thing's praises, and this is a wonderful film and everything. And I, let's see some of the comments. This is one comment in particular I want to read. Where is it? Uh, by the way, I like someone in the f first response on the Funimation blog. I'm already fearing how bad they're going to screw this up if dubbed. Really? You're going to be a you're going to be a fucking um, sub dub faggot on the Imperial Japanese propaganda film. <laughs> Momotaro, we have to stop the Gamergate creep shows. <laughs> uh, where is this? Um... Nanking Gate. Actually, it's about ethics in Imperial Japan. Fucking shoot me. <laughs> I, <laughs> I'm not. Uh, I'm not seeing it here. There was someone in the comments uh, section for some and some uh, article has asked me something. Um, oh, this is this is cool. And if anybody knows the history of this movie, it's very interesting. And to that guy, I say, you're an idiot. Because let's talk about the history. I think I'm going to read from the Wikipedia entry. I know Wikipedia, whatever. It's 
you're gonna you're gonna doubt the veracity of this. Yeah, someone went on the Mitsuyo Seo page and wrote dicks a bunch. Did we mention the plot of this movie already? We did. At the beginning. Um, About the other one, but... We did, yeah. We we talked about this one, and then you talked about the plot of the prequel. You got that youth Alzheimer's. Um, I want to talk about the career of Mitsuyo Seo, the director of this movie. And... There you go. Initially working as a sign painter, Seo began dabbling in drawing animation by working at a toy film company that made short movies for home use. Although his most famous films were propaganda for Japan during World War II, Seo's political sympathies were leftist, and early on he was actually a member of the Proletarian Film League of Japan, where he helped out on such animated films as Stuff. In 1931... Drink this one in. In 1931, he was arrested for his activities, tortured, and spent 21 days in jail. And I'm going to skip ahead. I do want to say about the Proletarian Film League of Japan, uh, their logo is basically a nuclear symbol inside a gear, which I don't know if that's unintentional or if that's something that they, uh, they added after the war, but... That's some hilarious trolling of uh, Imperial Japan, if so. <laughs> um, just to skip, so shortly after, you know, to skip a lot of the stuff, shortly after he was arrested for um, advocating democracy in Imperial Japan, and this is before World War II, he was arrested, tortured, tortured, and spent 21 days in jail where he was probably being tortured for those 21 days. After he was released, shortly thereafter, he was commissioned to make pro-Imperial Japan propaganda films, including this darling number Funimation is excited to announce. So this is is, is very interesting how this movie, that Funimation is just, just all a flutter about, was uh, produced essentially under duress by a man who is anti-imperialist but tortured by his government and then forced to make propaganda for the government that tortured him that he was against it's very interesting history it's interesting I'm terribly interested in how fucked up this movie is and everything about it and we didn't even mention the best part that happened afterwards which best part? Well, you see, like, after the war, you know, after this whole shebang was over, he joined some other company I can't fucking pronounce and made another movie, which was a pro-democracy anime, and that was in 1949. However, Toho, which was supposed to distribute it, thought it was politically way too leftist, so the film had no distributor. Uh, the company that was working for war went bankrupt, and he, finding the conditions for animation in the immediate post-war too difficult, left the industry and became an illustrator for children's books. Poor fucking guy. And that movie that he made doesn't even have a Wikipedia page. Of course, Funimation isn't going to license that. <laughs> oh. It's not the first anime movie ever! <laughs> Fucking idiots! You know it's. Uh, I mean, oh, okay. uh, sorry, I just want to 
point out some historical background. Uh, since that was 1949, um, when the United States occupied Japan, uh, we did set up a censorship regime to uh, get rid of fascist propaganda, screen out anything that was uh, you know, too militarist or too anti-American. And uh, you know, if this Wikipedia article is correct, then this movie was never even screened for American censorship. It's just Toho uh, self-censored because they were either afraid of uh, it getting censored by the U.S., or uh, they just didn't agree with its political messages. Well, I don't think this but would have been. I don't think this would have been censored by the U.S. It was pro-democracy. That was what we were pushing on them. Yeah, yeah, but I just wanted to say that it's notable that even if the U.S. had come down on it and said no, you can't distribute it, that would have been the end of it because the American uh, occupation authorities didn't. Uh, I don't think they uh, imprisoned people for political activities as a rule. Uh, they actually freed a lot of communists and uh, people on the left and pro-democracy people who had been imprisoned by Imperial Japan. And uh, mostly they just said, if a work is objectionable, you can't distribute it, you can't sell it. But if you remove the stuff we specifically object to, then you can sell it. And a lot of the so stuff we objected to... Oh, go ahead. We actually treated a lot of these uh, dissident filmmakers and... Uh, artists better than their own government did during the war years. So remember that too next time you're watching a more modern anime that uh, from a uh, pro-imperial Japanese uh, maker that takes it takes time to shit on the US. You know, what's, you know what's some wonderful irony too? Like his last movie the pro-democracy one. If you look, in, look it up on IMDb there's a dick and all about it. Like, absolutely nothing. Not even a user rating. However, his other two movies, like... Well, the other two movies that we mentioned, the fucking Momotaro no whatever the fuck, like, those have all, like, synopsis, user ratings, yada, 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 you know, all that good stuff. Do, those were okay. Do, you, those movies were okay. Japan says so. Amusingly last, enough, like the... The last uh, one was too hot for TV. Amusingly enough, the one for uh, Sacred Sailors has one user review, which gives it one star and says, no wonder they lost the war. <laughs> <laughs> like, the review says, and apparently zero, zero, zero out of four people found this helpful, the review says, a crude primitive excuse for animation. The film was begun in 1942 and not completed and released until just months before Japan's capitulation. The Japanese had been attempting to perfect animation since the early 30s, and by this time they still hadn't a clue as to what the hell they were doing. I have a BG in animation in World War II. The story follows the Momotaro Peach Boy legend, but updates it. He's the sole human on his side, yet they fight the Brits, who are all human. The animation indicates that while the Japanese tried hard, they were still in the Stone Age as far as mastering animation. Look at the pans of the L3Ys taking off, looking at the character turnarounds. Absolute disaster. In reality, the taking of Singapore was accomplished by ground troops. Percival and his staff are laughably portrayed as horned demons, as per the Momotaro legend. I think the print has been modified and updated. Only good as a curiosity. And I... Fucking zero out of four people found this helpful. Folks, everybody right now, everybody listening, go on IMDb and rate that review up. Because that's the most helpful goddamn review I've ever heard. So give them some thumbs up. Shoot him some love.
Uh, it, and and I, I, I believe every fucking word he says. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this is... Who boy. This is uh, just a disaster. Like, you know what this... And I, I've sort of been starting to say this and keep getting sidetracked. This reeks of what happened, the f- debacle that basically killed four kids when they licensed One Piece without thinking. Because they thought, kids love pirates? And then not only did they get a heavily censored work that ended up appealing to no one, um, if you remember that red letter media joke uh, when they were talking about the Star Wars holiday special, like, how can we take Star Wars and make it appeal to no one? Kids love pirates and or rap. <laughs> so they just say, how can we take one piece and make it appeal to no one? Kids love <laughs> Imperial Japan. <laughs> so basically, uh, when four kids took one piece and then they ended up um, screwing the pooch by uh, failing to distribute the most popular anime, period, to which the license holder, like the the, like the original producers, whatever the fucking technical term is, it's late and I'm loopy, um, took a look and said, why aren't you making us money? You license Yu-Gi-Oh!, you should be making us money hand over fist. Why is One Piece failing? This is tailor-made for American audiences. The guy's drawing style comes from your shit. Why is it not selling? And they took one look at it. There was like that... I don't. It's like somewhere between a rumor and a verified fact, like some unofficial reports coming out that uh, some of the people from Toei actually saw the four kids dub and were disgusted. And like, taking it. No, you lose... You lose everything we have. You go away. Go, and then all these other companies like, they're doing what? Take the licenses. And, like, Funimation did the same shit. It's like, it's the first anime movie. We'll have history. Why hasn't anyone scooped this up? This is going to look great on our resume. We have the first anime movie. And they just licensed that shit and found out what it was about later. It's what now? <laughs> It's an Imperial Japan propaganda film. I I should have expected it, but I somehow didn't. That is the only explanation I can think, because the other explanation would be they knew it was Imperial Japanese propaganda and didn't care. Because they, they knew that this movie began production four years after the rape of Nanking, and they didn't care. And that would be just terrible. I mean, you think Gamergate's a creep show. That's a whole other level of creep show. Let's, let's no. scoop it up and just talk about how wonderful it is. You know, I reconsider maybe Momotaro in this movie is actually like Japanese Imperial Age Skrillex. <laughs> I mean, it does fight against the white males. <laughs> His hair's not too dissimilar. It just looks like it's up. No, no, no wonder Funimation lost this movie so much. <laughs> Like, Momotaro is fighting against the, the evil proto-Gamergate. And here's the thing, too. Do you think Funimation would be as as uh, excited to announce they had licensed the original Astro Boy cartoon, racist black caricatures and all? <laughs> you think they, oh, it's a wonderful tale on par with anything Disney put out. And he, let's, let's take a look at a clip. Bonga bonga, rum, 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 giant lips, pure black bodies shaped like a gourd. Umba, umba, umba. Us black, we know nothing. Ooh, we we stumped by white and Asian people. Ooh, spears, onga donga bonga. 
What's I don't the think... inaccurate part again? <laughs> like, you look at the old racist Sambo cartoons from, from back in the day. Like, r- Sambo jazz bands and old cartoons. They don't come close. Wait, wait, that was a cartoon? I thought that was a documentary. What the <laughs> fuck? This is, this is just making me want Astro Boy meets Tintin. <laughs> Tintin couldn't even have pulled out anything as racist as those Astro Boy cartoons. Like, Jesus. I think they might be the most racist uh, anything toward black people ever made. <laughs> Basically, you know those uh, natives in the background of King of Fighters 13 that everyone got upset over? It's that. Except the natives in the background of King of Fighters, A, were part of a collective thing, like everyone in the background of King of Fighters 13 was an exaggerated caricature making fun of whoever, whatever country that was. And B, the caricature native people, they gave them, like, goofy skin colors and shit. There was no way these things were human at that point. <laughs> Clearly they were some separate species. Not 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 the natives in Astro Boy. No, definitely black people. Just, there is no skirting around that they're black people. There is no, this is some half-human tribe in the wilderness that looks like people but have, like, purple skin, clearly not human. No, black people. Unga-bunga-dunga giant lips that don't look like they could even talk. Black people. Yeah, you know, funny side note, like there was actually like a Belgian court that had to rule whether or not Tintin in the Congo was racist. Um, they said it was not, but is, quote, full of gentle and candid humor. <laughs> uh, in the US and UK, apparently books were sealed with a white red band that says Collector's Edition warns the readers they may find the content offensive. And uh, Trigger I think it was the creator or something. He also made a a joke cover or something, which, when translated, means Tintin in the land of political correctness, <laughs> and it's him driving through an empty landscape. <laughs> and he says, "Snowy, be on the lookout for a humorless predator, the human rights lawyer." <laughs> That's especially great for me because I grew up watching the Tintin cartoon they had. Um, they had it in English, and I think it was. Eh, I don't know if it was originally French. It probably was. Um, they had like these cartoons. I remember. I remember I used to watch. I was so into cartoons. I was watching fucking blocks of cartoons. They had like things that I think I was the only one watching, or at least for years I thought I was the only one that knew these cartoons existed. Did you know that there was a Conan animated series? No. Nope. Yep, there was. Conan the Adventurer. I still remember the, the fucking opening. Conan the Adventurer. The fucking... Conan! Strong as he can be! Like the fucking baritone, on top of baritone opening number. The spell of the fucking narration was great. The spell of living stone cast upon his family! Like, it was <laughs> fucking great. It was a fucking kid-friendly version of Conan... And they were actual, like, snake monsters disguised as humans, and his sword removed their disguise, and it made them vulnerable. And then they all turned into gamer gators. <laughs> no, that's Powerpuff Girls. So oh, did yeah. the cartoon ever say what's best in life? <laughs> they might have referenced that in some way. Um, but, of course, kid-friendly. But it was, for a kid, it was pretty dope. Uh, it, was, it, was, it was quite righteous, quite rad. Um, yeah, so, and I remember they had that, and they had Adventures of Tintin, and Adventures of Tintin, coincidentally, 
was how I learned what chloroform was as a kid. Because they use chloroform a lot in Adventures of Tintin. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Does this smell like chloroform to you? Um, you know, that's, that's how I learned what chloroform was by watching the Tintin cartoon. So I, and either you're saying, hey, Snowy, but boom, uh, memories. Memories as a kid. A Tintin on a fucking jump in the train is fucking crazy. Oh, man. It's good times. And... Those old Captain childhood Haddock was the best part. <laughs> he was in the cartoon. Um, and just now, he- and hearing hearing that old childhood joy shit on political correctness, it just it, you warmed my heart today, Max. You made my day a little bit brighter and wonderful. But yeah, it's those are some those are some good times. Those fucking old cartoons, man. Fucking they had that, and they had Ronin Warriors. First time I ever fucking watched Ronin Warriors. No, it wasn't the first time. It was the first time I was ever able to watch it all the way through because they used to have it on Saturday mornings when they felt like it. And then this this weekday block of shows I was watching, like in the fucking middle of the day, started playing it and they played the episodes in order. And then they would play them out of order and then in order again. I'm reminiscing because I want to. What my point is, I don't even remember my point <laughs> I got sidetracked by Tintin. I don't even remember things anymore. Where am I? Still surprised that there wasn't a, like a Japanese animated movie about Nan King. <laughs> well, that would require them to acknowledge it happened. Yeah. If there was, it has been it has been scrubbed like some Illuminati conspiracy to hide it from the public. There's like a secret society of Japanese people that, that are that are protecting the copies of the Nan King animated movie. Now, nowadays they'll probably make it like a hentai, maybe like in the style of like shitty Western parodies, like something like This Ain't Nanking, an XXX porn parody. The best thing I ever heard about Nanking was back when Norm MacDonald was on SNL and he was doing Weekend Update. Now, for those of you who don't know, either you're young or you're like Max and you're in another country and you didn't you didn't have SNL Saturday Night Live as a fixture. Um, you, Max, I know you know it's what Saturday Night Live is. Um, most of you know what Saturday Night Live is. Most of you might not know some of the older casts back in the day. And probably one of the greatest times in SNL. You know, SNL has that uh, news segment in the middle where they do kind of a proto-daily show thing. Where they just kind of run off jokes about the news. And it's sort of a newscaster type segment. And they've, had, they've kept that throughout the years. And they've had different hosts. Well, one of the hosts was one of the greatest comedians alive, Norm MacDonald. If you're unfamiliar with Norm MacDonald, uh, I don't even know how you describe him, except he is deadpan, trollish, anti-humor. This guy is basically, what's that remark, like, he's playing 4D chess while everyone's playing checkers? That's him with humor. Like, Norm MacDonald just says shit. If you ever, go look up his interviews on Conan O'Brien's show. He just takes over interviews with saying weird shit, and he'll he'll, like switch between being unexpectedly blunt and telling anti-humor non-jokes to just something super witty and funny. Like the the remark, and he, they, at the time of this remark, he was on Conan O'Brien's show, and some chick that was on Carrot Top's movie, Chairman of the Board, was on after him, and Norm is staying there. And Norm just starts shitting on this movie while she's there. Mm-hmm. And like... Um, uh, well, like, so some of the movies, like, oh, um, well, you know the the movie's other title, like, with with the calling overseas, box office poison. 
<laughs> and everyone's just Conan's just stunned. The audience was cracking up, and he just won't let up. Because it was like a shit interview, and he got bored, so he just took over the interview because he wanted to. He, and because he, fuck Caratop. <laughs> and like fucking Norm Macdonald on one of these comedy roasts intentionally bombed it in the way that was the funniest thing ever because he trolled a Comedy Central roast. He just came on with visible cards, like reading his jokes off cards with no comic timing and just read the worst jokes and he did this for like 10-15 minutes without ever letting up he is a genius so he was the host of Weekend Update for a while and his run was hands down the best he got in trouble so many times and he didn't care he is the reason he no it wasn't him no it wasn't him but he was the host of Weekend Update at the time but it was David Spade was the reason that uh um, Eddie Murphy uh, stopped talking to SNL. He got mad at a joke because he's a thin-skinned baby. What but was the joke? The joke was uh, um, Davis Bay would do a thing called the Hollywood Minute where he would basically come in and just shit on celebrities, which now is like super taboo with SNL because they want to be in good Never with celebrities. Well, they, they also want to be in good with celebrities so they can get <laughs> lots of hosts. Um so David Spade was just burning bridges. It was this was a wonderful era in SNL. Um, so he would he would like they would just show pictures of celebrities that were doing stuff at the time or movies that come out in time, and he would just do his David Spadey type one liners and zingers. And so uh, <laughs> shortly after Eddie Murphy, one of his bombs, I think it was um, Meteor, not, not Meteor Man, but it was in that era. One of his movie bombs, he, Eddie Murphy comes on screen, and all David Spade said, he would usually do a longer setup, all he said was, look, children, a falling star. <laughs> Eddie Murphy blew up. There's, David Spade has told stories about this. Like, he had to get on the, they made him get on the phone with Eddie Murphy while Eddie Murphy chewed him out and got and bitched and threw a fit because Eddie Murphy is a child. And as far as I'm concerned, he deserved to have his career turned to shit because he is not an adult. He's a funny man, but he is not an adult. Um, but Norm MacDonald was he 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 could not be the host of SNL. Now he got fired. They told him because he wasn't funny enough, and everybody in the world knows the real reason. He was making SNL's execs nervous with the shit he was saying and doing because he's a comedic genius. <laughs> He like he was frequently bring up shit about crack whores and everything. He he would just randomly direct jokes to be about crack whores. He would just start talking about some story of the day and just bring it back to crack whores. And it was like a recurring thing. Like <laughs> Forbes released their list of the top ten best jobs to have. Uh, number one is this and this, and and on the list of top ten worst jobs, coming at number one for the third year in a row, crack whore. And he would just stare at the camera. <laughs> and he's also the one that coined the terms Germans love David Hasselhoff, which he another thing he would just, for no reason, insert into stories. Uh, just He would talk about some other story that had nothing to do with anything. He would just say, which once again confirms my theory, Germans love David Hasselhoff. Which is funny because I know I've never heard anyone mention the guy ever. Well, well apparently he's got a big following <coughs> in Germany, so I'm surprised. Um, but 
So, that, so now I've set the stage for everybody because I know we've got younger viewers or people. Um, I, I know I'm a bit of a comedy nerd to an extent, so I probably just in case some of you out there might not know, have the stand-up comedian or SNL know-how, you know, whatever the case may be. Now you're up to speed. So, Norm Macdonald was reporting on a story, and I think this was one of the jokes that got people nervous. Um, and, and one of the execs nervous. He was saying like something along the lines of Japan was kind of acknowledging the rape of Nanking, like the government, but only partially or something like that. Um, so he said they're going. The uh, the Japanese government is officially referring to it simply as the date that went wrong of Nanking. <laughs> <laughs> and just just to kind of top that off before we move on, I just want to end it with this little bit. Um, that you sort of know the history of uh, one of the greatest comedians alive on SNL. Uh, they, after he was fired, a few years after he was fired, they asked him to come on a host. He had some movie coming on or something. And usually on the monologue, they get up there and they tell some pre-written jokes and some do some corny shtick. And of course, Norm Macdonald, not really his thing. So he gets on there and he talks about two years ago, these people fired me for not being funny. And then they ask me over here to host the show, but I'm like, and I'm like, didn't you fire me? Wasn't I not funny? So I have come to one to one of two conclusions: either I'm suddenly funny, or I'm still not funny, but the show's even worse. So either way, I win. <laughs> I encourage everyone to go look up look up his stuff. It's much better than spending your time watching Imperial. Japanese propaganda. I thought you were going to say Nanking. But I mean, well, I mean, if you could, if you could watch footage of the rape of Nanking, wouldn't you? That'd probably be pretty hot. That's edgy humor, folks. See, I've taken something that's horrific and I'm implying that I'd masturbate to it. It's very cutting edge stuff. Very highbrow. It's highbrow, but it disguised as lowbrow. See, I, I know what I'm doing, people. I'm a professional. Don't try this at home. Yeah, really don't. <laughs> so yeah, this is Funimation's fucking idiots. Especially, don't try it in your high school. It's like don't don't go up to like the Asian chick in your class. Like, hey Kimiko, I'm working on this art project for like my history class in in school. You want to help me out with it? I'm making a student film about the Bataan Death March, as told by adorable bunny people. <laughs> I was actually making another Nanking joke, but that works too. Well, adorable in quotes. Well, yeah, obviously. <laughs> I think this just opens up a whole new world of uh, insensitive historical anime. You know, get, get Hayao Miyazaki to direct a movie about a Japanese doctor who wants to follow his dreams and signs on with Unit 731. <laughs> And, he, and he, he travels abroad to learn medicine and meets Joseph Mengele. Yes! <laughs> who has a big silly nose. <laughs> how are you that... No, seriously. How are you this stupid? How are you this stupid? Like, not only did they... This was a domino effect fucking up. First, like, okay, well, it's the first anime. Let's snatch that up before anyone else does. But, hey, Gene says, there is a reason no one else was snatching it up. There's a reason it had been passed over by much better companies. Mm -hmm. 
We really don't want to deal in uh, propaganda for a regime that is unequivocally evil. I want to point out again, Adolf Hitler saw what Imperial Japan was doing and had to calm say, stop it. The Nazis were horrified by Nanking. The Nazis were horrified. Uh, even, even the SS officers that were around there were like, bro, what the fuck? For reals. <laughs> The people that did the Holocaust thought Imperial Japan went too far. <laughs> but remember, white people are the devil, especially America. <laughs> oh my god. And it's funny now, looking, looking uh, at the state of the Axis powers now, both countries cannot deal with their past, and they are fucking it up in completely different ways, and I cannot for the life of me, figure out which one's worse. Yeah, Germ like it, it <laughs> Germany can't stop bending over to take dick while saying, oh, we're sorry. Sorry. In in, 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 in Japan, it's like, we, we didn't do nothing. Hirohito did nothing wrong. It's like, what happened? What do you mean? Hirohito's a good boy. <laughs> no, he we, didn't do nothing. You know, you know what's funny? Family Guy, back when it was funny, um, did a joke, and it did that Germany did this, but it's funny because it's Japan's the one that's doing this. Where the Griffins had went, they were on some international trip, or whatever, and they were in Germany. And uh, the the German tour guide is is showing all the stuff that they're going by in this tour bus, and then one of them points out, "Hey, uh, I just noticed in your brochure there doesn't seem to be anything listed between like 1930 whatever, 1930 whatever. Uh, like, uh, it's a pretty big uh, gap to take." I was like, "Oh, that, we there's that, that nothing. Don't, don't worry about it." But, but what, wasn't that the time World War Two? No, no, we we it was a vacation. Everybody was having cake. Cake was served. Um, <laughs> And then they kept pressing. It was like, but this is a big thing. And this happened. This happened. It was like, nothing. You must stop talking. Nothing happened. Absolutely nothing happened. And he starts speaking in German and doing like, like angry barking German and doing the Nazi salute. That's what Japan does. You go there and you check their brochure. It's like, oh, guys, there's a lot missing. In fact, and, there's and a lot missing from a specific time period. And, and meanwhile, in America, we have shit like queers for Palestine, and of course, the immortal, let me be clear, if I had a son, he would look Trayvon Martin. We're, we're doing kind of the thing Germany's doing, but not as bad, but we're doing it with ourselves. We're sorry, us. It's just weird, like, we're fucking ourselves. We're, just, we're masturbating while crying, that's what America's doing right now. Masturbating in tears. Whereas Germany's taking it up the ass and Japan's like, we didn't do nothing. We didn't just like fucking with their hands in their pockets, whistling, like doing that nonchalant whistling. I, I don't know. I'm, I'm, not, I'm not sure if you're not taking it up the ass too. I mean, have you seen Black Lives Matter? <laughs> Again, it's from ourselves. We kind of wrapped our dick around. I mean, on one hand, it's impressive. On the other hand, we should really stop it. I, I didn't know you guys had the fucking gum gum fruit. <laughs> Uh, well, much like Luffy, we pull victories out of our asses a lot at the, at the last minute. Well, the, thing, the thing about Japan's approach is that it causes people to, to, to think, well, if it was no big deal, then uh, then maybe I can make some entertainment out of this, and it'll just be innocent fun. So what I'm really waiting for is an episode of Joker Game where they torture Mitsuyo Seo. The, pro <laughs> the protagonists just throw him in a jail cell. <laughs> <laughs> and pull out the truncheons. Can we talk about Joker game real quick? 
Oh, yeah, that's the thing. Motherfuckers keep... So, this show is so cool. Why aren't more people watching it? Um, I can tell you. <laughs> Would you like to learn a little bit more about Joker Gang? It's a cool spy show about Imperial Japan. <laughs> Outwitting the Brits. Wasn't the organization that Joker Game depicts basically the Japanese SS? Sort of. It was the Kibitai. Yeah, well, the the, the idea is the the chief of the Joker... It's like a fictional spy organization, but they're an offshoot, basically a fictionalized version of the Japanese SS. Yeah. Uh, Because they're the ones in charge of the the prisoner of war camps and all that stuff. Yeah. And they're the the protagonists of Joker Game. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Oopsie doodle. <laughs> this way, that you know, folks, if you're listening, you can spot idiots. If you ever want to see just how ignorant anime fans are, because they fetishize Japan, but they know nothing about it. I mean, we—we—that's we, sort of the thing we've all known about weeaboos and stuff. But you can really see it just in action, even in people that aren't full weeaboos. But you can see how dumb and ignorant they are, but just look at the Twitter and look at how they this show Joker Game is great. More people should see this show. It's a great show. I love Joker Game. All those people are idiots. Can't can't wait to hear Fred Gallagher's glowing review of that show. <laughs> I don't know if he likes Joker Game too much. I mean it's there's visible noses and there's no harems. There's no mm-hmm. Oni Chans in Joker Game. I mean, I'm all for a spy anime, just not one where the protagonists are the Japanese SS. I, I want to see how far it can go, though. Like, if there's an episode where the the main characters collude with low-level Japanese rogue officers to uh, overthrow the democratically elected government and institute a military dictatorship, just just go full historical accuracy with this. I, I, I want to see an, I want to see an episode where they take Chinese prisoners and throw them like into fucking meat lockers and shit to see like how much frostbite can be induced within certain. Hours. So if you know. If you know about the period's history, then it's just baffling why uh, why a modern Japanese uh, anime studio would make something like this and portray these characters as uh, good people, I assume. I haven't seen Joker King, so I don't know, maybe... Oh, they do. You're absolutely right. And and one episode begins with, like, a child watching Japanese military march, like, with glowing adoration, and it, and it quotes some Japanese proverb about, I don't know, strength or whatever, or being a good samurai, or some stupid... Amazing. So, I mean, during... Uh, this is, uh, what, mid-30s, late-30s is when it's set? Yeah. Because during that period, you had the secret police and the Japanese military colluding to undermine the country's elected leaders and uh, basically institute a fascist dictatorship. <laughs> That's what was going on with them. In fact, let me find out. Let me take a look. Because we're pretty much done talking about Momotaro, so let's just go on the whole Imperial Japanese... Rape train. Like you, uh, uh, you said the thing with uh, Mitsuo Seo being tortured was in 1931, right? Yes. That was like six years before the war in China. It was ten years before Pearl Harbor. Like this was going on for a long time when there's this long-term concerted effort to uh, beat dissent uh, and any kind of you know freedom basically out of the uh, the Japanese political process and I, the uh, artistic I, I, world, and create this um, <clears throat> this authoritarian regime. I just want to uh, point out because I find this interesting. The Wikipedia page on Joker Game is quite vague about what it's about. This is literally mm. the entire plot synopsis. 
Joker Game is a Japanese novel series written by Koji Yanagi. It has inspired a live-action film and an anime television series. A television anime adaptation produced by Production IG began airing in April 5th, 2016. That's it. I mean, for sake of comparison, this is like if you had a, a show about the heroic NKVD suppressing... Uh, you know, suppressing anti-Stalinists, and you just danced around the whole subject of, oh, no, you know, uh, the, they were working for Stalin, but it's... 1937. It's, it's an offshoot organization. 1937 is when it takes place. See, here's the plot summary from Anime News Network. I know. I had to, I had to go to ANN to find an actual plot summary. Uh, it's kind of telling that no one else wants to talk about it. Um, in 1937, before World War II begins in earnest, Lieutenant Colonel Yuki of the Imperial Japanese Army forms the D Agency, an army intelligence outfit under his command and tutelage. Army, uh, General, <laughs> army General Staff attaches Lieutenant Sakuma to observe the unit's performance. D Agency casts a wide net to find agents beyond Japanese military personnel, and Yuki establishes D Agency's tenets which go against IJA doctrine. Don't kill, don't get killed, don't get captured. With this, Yuki trains a team of operatives who conduct missions against domestic and foreign powers. Domestic and foreign. Yeah. In I 19... kind of wonder what these domestic threats are supposed to be. Well, it's 1937. Mm-hmm. You'd probably know. I mean, Like, are, are they just busting up communists in the, in the show? Couldn't tell you. Are they going after pacifists or what? I know there's a uh, an arc where they go after British spies and they outwit the Brits. Ha! Because we can't depict them as white devils on a magic island. Baksu Baniyu outwits the Brits. <laughs> uh, let me see if I can find some synopsis. I kind of want to watch Joker Game and uh, pick it apart. I would like to see you write something on Joker Game. You would probably be the best one to do it. I'll just take a break from horrible video games. You could use it. You know, if, they, if, they go, if they're going to do shit like Joker Game, then why not just go fucking full ham with it and throw in, like, all the anime moe stereotypes? I mean, this is this is kind of the equivalent of if an American company made a show about the CIA overthrowing a... Uh, like Latin American countries and helping dictatorships rise to power, and this is a good thing. <laughs> yeah, I'm basically thinking, like, make it like Japanese SS meets Strike Witches. Oh, don't you fucking Strike Witches. So I'm really like, the, the main co- like the main commander is like the Oni-chan, whose favor they're all trying to gain by torturing political dissidents and outwitting the other spy agencies. Alright, I'm, I'm looking at episodes on my anime list. They got little mini synopsises. So, um, here's a synopsis for episode one. Autumn, 1937. Against the Imperial Army Chief Jackson's the D-Agency thing, blah, blah, blah. Uh, as he watches the applicants easily coast through the brutal examination process not long after Sakuma is ordered by Colonel Muto to search the home of a suspected American spy the Japanophile John Gordon disguised as military police Sakuma leads D agency on their first mission the first mi- the first episode is literally we gotta get them the Americans okay here's episode 2 synopsis 
The raid of Gordon's home comes up empty, and when Gordon lets it slip that this is the second time his home's been searched, Sakuma realizes the mission is a setup by Muto. So, three. A man wakes up with complete amnesia. His only possession, a passport with the name, this name, and the port of entry, and is, is uh, speaking with to Alan. What? Um, the mysterious man next to him. He learns France has been occupied by the German army. Episode four. Wait, that... What kind of time skip is involved here? Because the, the show is set in 1937. France was occupied in 1940. I don't know. What's the time scale involved here? Did they cover three years and three episodes? <laughs> Took him a long time to search that American dude's house. Maybe he <laughs> just went so far. <laughs> I don't know. No, that would be King Crimson. That's the one that erases time. <laughs> So, uh, for episode four, Sergeant Homna Ag has been assigned to the Shanghai Military Police. Not long after assuming his new post, he is summoned by Captain Japanese name. Japanese name orders Hanma to conduct an internal investigation and uncover an enemy agent who's infiltrated their ranks. As he explains the mission, they hear an explosion. Episode five, Robinson. Izawa Kazuo has a good life running a simple photography store in London until he's suddenly arrested under suspicion of espionage. As Isawa undergoes a harsh interrogation, Lieutenant Colonel Howard Marks, master spy for the British Secret Intelligence Service, appears before him. Remember, the Britons are evil. Uh, episode 6, Asia Express. D-Agency receives an urgent meeting request from one of their collaborators, Morozov, who has an important secret T information to report. D-Agency member Seto Reiji arranges to meet him on the South Manchur Manchurian Railway Asia Super Express. That was a name. Uh, are, as, they, are they going where I think they're going? As Seto moves to collect the information, he finds Morozov has been murdered. Episode 7, Codename Cerebrus. Cerberus. I'm stupid. <laughs> uh, the luxury liner Tokimaru makes its way from San Francisco to Japan, stopping at each Hawaiian island along the way. As Utsumi Osamu sits in the deck enjoying a crossword puzzle, he's approached by a man calling himself Jeffrey Morgan. At the same moment, cries of terror erupt from those looking out to the ocean. And episode 8 and episode 9, which is as far as I've gotten so far, is a two-parter. Part 1. Former diplomat Shirohatakikiruku is expected to have illegally gained knowledge of the Imperial Army's top-secret grand strategy. Investing in secret... What strategy? Gamao Jiro makes contact with Shirahata's old friend, the British consul Ernest Graham. And then the most recent episode, part two. It's spy versus spy, as D-Agency and Wind Agency both race to prevent Japan's grand strategy from falling into enemy hands. That's... The Death Star plans. Yeah, that's actually pretty funny, because we broke their codes very early in the war and knew everything they were going to do anyway. No, you see, they were master spies. They had, they had. Like that's how the Battle of Midway went down. We knew exactly what their plan was and uh, ambushed them, basically. No, you see, they 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 had a secret secret plan, and everybody wanted to get their hands on Japan's secret recipe. The for the, the, pl the the plan was to get bombed <laughs> twice. <laughs> they had very good codes, Andrew. They had the best codes. Everybody wanted their codes. Secret spy mm -hmm. fight. There were there were spy fights going on to get those codes. There were so. Uh, I, mean, I mean, seriously, at least like our codes were actually worth a shit. <laughs> yeah, like they were only cracked because the allies captured a Enigma machine, right? 
I think so, and I think also like Alan Turing. Movie about that, didn't they? Alan, Alan Turing also played a major role in in cracking them. Uh, his government eventually thanked him by uh, condemning him for being gay and offering him either a chemical castration or jail time. After which he committed suicide. Like if you want to, oops. If you want to talk about uh, interesting World War II intelligence stuff, uh, you you can make a movie about. Uh, the Navajo Code Talkers. I think they did. Because he... I think it was called Code Talkers. Oh. Oh. I could I be wrong. Check that out I, because... I, I know there was a movie about the cracking of the German code in World War II. Right, because uh, the U.S. military figured, we need an uncrackable code, and here's this language that is only spoken by people who live in the United States. So they recruited these Native Americans to uh, do all the radio transmission stuff in the Pacific. Uh, yeah, it's called Wind Talkers. Oh. Interesting. Yeah. See, Funny, that's actual, that's good military intelligence. I'm, it's a 2002 it's film. That, uh, Joker game has to make up a fictional organization to make <laughs> Japanese military intelligence competent. <laughs> yeah, it was made in 2002 by John Woo. Huh. And then I know they made one recently about um, breaking the German code. I forget what it was called. Excuse me. But the film was it's apparently a box office bomb, and it received negative reviews. The the Wind Talkers movie. Yeah. You know, side note, it's it's funny, but there actually is like one method that that you can use that is literally, like, to literally have like an encryption technique that is impossible to crack. Something that's called a one-time pad, which essentially is nothing but a plain text that is paired with a completely random secret key. So, if the key is actually, like, truly random, then it's... You cannot possibly decrypt the entire thing. Not even, a co- not even like, a computer with, with infinite computing power and time could do it. I heard that... Uh, I'm not sure how correct this is, but I heard that Germany used a lot of one-time pads, but eventually the Allies caught on that all of these messages would include Hell uh, Hitler somewhere in them, <laughs> and that kind of undermined the code's efficiency. <laughs> Yeah, because I, I don't, if you I don't know about the code that you knew what it was. You could basically use it as a cipher. I don't know about how much Germany actually used this method. Uh, incidentally, one-time pad was actually like uh, first described in 1882 already, but pretty much like invented, quote unquote, in 1970. Uh, but yeah, what I do know is that the KGB used these quite a bit. They also, uh, they also like, it mentions here like the KBGB used pads of such size that they could fit in the palm of one's hand or in a walnut shell. To increase security, one-time pads were sometimes printed onto sheets of highly flammable nitrocellulose so they could be quickly burned after use. So yeah. The NSA also used these. But, but none of that compares to the majesty of Japan's secret, secret recipe, secret mm-hmm. plans. All the spies want it. Yeah, I actually... Andrew, I want you to watch Joker Game. All right, I'll do, do it. I want you to do a review of Joker Game, because I think this will be probably the the definitive review of Joker Game. Because, let's face it, p- other people that run anime websites are stupid. That's why we had to make one. They're stupid. They're not going to know... Dick and balls about history. 
you, Andrew, you are our resident history buff. They'll be like, how come D organization never shows up in history books? They must have been really good at keeping secret. <laughs> so, see, you're a resident history buff, so you will look. You will be able to look at this and know where it's coming from. And you will know the context of many of its stories, including the one I'm curious what you were saying. Uh, oh, the, the railway bridge? Yeah. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> the South Manchurian uh, Railway was the immediate provocation for the uh, Japanese-Chinese War in 1937 because uh, there's this railway bridge, the Marco Polo Bridge, at the border between Japanese-occupied Manchuria and uh, China. Uh, the parts of China controlled by the Chinese government. And uh, the Japanese army staged a false flag incident where they uh, basically claimed that they were attacked by the Chinese at this railway bridge and used that as the pretext for invading the rest of China. So I, I was kind of wondering if Joker game had the protagonist be involved in setting up the Chinese-Japanese war. Wouldn't that be wonderful? Oh shit! So yeah, I'm, I'm as soon as you can get on that. I want to see what you think, and I'm sure I know everybody listening to this is going to be like, "Oh, I want to see that. I want to read that." Everybody's going to, everybody's going to see. So the, the you heard it here, folks. We're going to have the the definitive Joker game review. You don't need to listen to any other website. You don't need to. Oh, let me go check it out. See what's up. Let me go check out ANN's reviews because I'm not intelligent. <laughs> I like to eat paste. This is how fucked the anime industry is. Their number one news source is the anime equivalent of Kotaku. <laughs> right down to, we frame our entire website in giant borders of an advertisement for a new release. That will Also, be Gamergate creep shows. So when is Hulk Hogan going to destroy ANN? <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. He's, he's, he's going to give it the big boot and the leg drop. <laughs> yes. I know. I hope other legendary wrestlers destroy other shitty outlets. So like The Rock destroys A and N for some reason. Then suddenly the people's elbow. <laughs> Steve Austin gives the Stone Cold Stunner to Huffington Post. The ultimate warrior rises from his grave just to tear the Mary Sue apart. Yokozuna trips and falls on Salon. <laughs> oh, shit. I can't think of any more sights, otherwise I'd bring up The Undertaker. The point still stands. And that's a Royal Rumble. I'm not gonna miss. Wink and point to camera. Smile. I guess we're on a tangent, but I just want to say, I, I want to see Chapman write a Digimon review so we can contrast that with Milo's <laughs> glowing praise of the series. ANN is cancer. And hopefully, if all things go well, and and this is tell you folks, I don't want to jinx anything, but if everything goes well, I mean, it's very difficult to get this set up. But we may very well find out why Milo Yiannopoulos loves Digimon so much. Because it's a question for the ages. We want to talk about an interview to be proud of. A I real got, interview for all you we people. We get real by interviews. Our, uh, <laughs> yes, by our Imaishi interview. 
I'm just I'm used to interesting interviews. Oh, then you'll love our interview with one of the most famous men alive right now, or infamous, depending. I don't want to jinx it. I, th I feel like I'm getting. I mean, he agreed. It's just been a bitch getting a hold of him to set up a time. I'm spoiling it. But yes, folks, spoiler alert, Milo Yiannopoulos agreed to be on our show. We are. I'm desperately trying to get a hold of him to, to set up a time. Like For a while, I couldn't get a hold of him. He's obviously why. It's not no secret why we can't get a hold of him. He's like the most in-demand human being alive right now. But I got a hold of him. Uh, and then I couldn't get a hold of him for a while. Then I got a hold of him again. He's saying, shoot me some dates. And now we're back to this part of the dance where I'm desperately trying to get a hold of him. I'm at this point now. I'm just going to start spamming his email every day until he sees me. I, I, I've got to get a hold of that faggot. So yeah, everything Dangerous goes well. Faggot. We'll have the Milo on the show, and we got Milo whenever the fuck, probably next year. <laughs> and then our transition into the anime right will finally be complete. <laughs> it's like the alt right with bigger eyes. No, it's not. It's not our fault that the industry right now is run by social justice tards. So it's we we didn't make the rules. We just break them. We're rebels. We're edgy. You might say we're outsiders. Oh, that's where our name comes from. I think. Oh. So yeah, folks, we got some shit coming down the pike. Stay tuned. Next week, update on that guy with the glasses, and then we'll figure out what the hell we're talking about after that, and then we'll work on securing Mr. Ianopoulos. Finally, setting that up between bouts of him getting sprayed with or shout, yelled at or sped on and mock punched and yelled at more and all that all his wonderful adventures chewed up and spit out and booed off stage <laughs> so uh, yeah we're working on that so look forward to that probably again probably next year at the rate that all these negotiates are going like literally every time I hear from him I, I, it's it's after like I've resent email except for the initial um, communication and that was when he was just starting the dangerous faggot tour he's been doing now. Uh, like obviously this is why it's difficult to get a hold of him. He's doing his whole big tour thing, and then in between that having gay sex orgies, that's not <laughs> even a joke. <laughs> he's like updating like I'm in Alaska, fucking tied up to a bed with a spooned by three men and shit. So, yeah, it, it's hard to get a hold of him between the, the, the appearances and the gay orgies. Like, but before his tour started, we, we, you know, we had our talks, and then it was hard to get a hold of him. Then I finally got a hold of him again, and then he said, let's shoot me some dates. And then I've been trying to shoot him dates, and <laughs> he can't get a hold of him again. So, once we get that squared away, everybody, that's right. Fuck all y'all. Milo... On the other side, holy shit. I'm going to try not to piss my pants. It's, I mean, it's only, like, the most prominent, for lack of a better term, leader of the whole free speech movement. It's going to be on our show. No pressure or anything, guys. It's only the last legitimate journalist in the Western world. Let's <laughs> try not to suck his dick too hard when he's here. And I have another interview that I'd like to line up. I want to see if I can pull it off. I don't think I will, so I'm not going to say it. 
I'll tell it to the guys after we're done recording. If we can do this, it's going to be magnificent. I'm, I'm not optimistic, but there is a chance, which is why I'm going to attempt it. So stay tuned, folks. The other side, you thought it was just a big deal that we had our own site. No, we are steamrolling into this motherfucker full blast. We are here, you queers. Get used to it. So do you want to have anything else you want to add now that we're done talking about Imperial Japan and all the people that love them, apparently? Nope. No. Okay, well then, from all of us here at the other side, I'm Cody Byer. I'm Max Vader. I'm Andrew Erickson. Saying, all hail the glory of Imperial Japan. Son of a son of a sailor. Son of a god. Load the last time. One step ahead of the jailer. I'm just a son of a son. Son of a son. Hey there, folks. If you like what we do here at Anime Outsiders and you want to show your support, head on over to the Anime Outsiders Patreon over at patreon.com slash animeoutsiders. All funds we get from the Patreon will go to the site, and we will be informing all patrons how the money is spent. Total transparency. So, again, if you like us and you want to help us build the site and expand everything that we have, Go to patreon.com slash animeoutsiders and show your support.